And welcome to the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm not your normal host, John Daigle. I'm Anthony Stalter. Normally you see John and I on Fridays, but I'm pinch hitting today for John. So appreciate everybody joining us. Of course, uh, with John Paulson and Sam Hoppin. Again, I'm Anthony Stalter. And uh, guys, I'm I'm really looking forward to this discussion today because I feel like we have a lot of lots of breakdown. How you guys doing? Doing well. Uh, it's it's we're almost halfway through the fantasy season. It's always the uh, week eight, and then now we've got seventeen weeks in the fantasy season, so it gets to be somewhere in the middle by week nine. Uh, but uh, excited to make a push for the playoffs. How, how are you doing, Sam? I'm good. We we've had a lot of injuries this year, obviously, but this seemed like first week that a lot of them sort of shook the fantasy landscape. Uh, for more than just the some of the week to week guys, so certainly a lot to cover. All the uh, a lot of players out with high ankle sprains; those kept uh, coming up the other day. But excited to talk the fallout from these injuries. Well, we'll uh, we will get into those injuries first and foremost. Let's do our injury roundup, and we start off with Adam Hutchinson's article. Uh, we're we're going to discuss each injury. Uh, John, you know you're going to you're going to kind of break down the the fantasy impact here, and Sam, of course, adding adding some intel as well. But why don't we start off with perhaps the most significant injury, not to minimize any of these other injuries, but Brees Hall, ACL, he's out for the year. The Jets' talented running back that was headed really for Offensive Rookie of the Year now might might set up uh, well for Kenneth Walker of Seattle to win that award. But, uh, John, when you're talking about Brees Hall being out, this obviously opens up the door for Michael Carter Jr., who was that that two to Brees Hall's one two punch? But uh, James Robinson was acquired from Jacksonville. But let's let's talk first about the Brees Hall injury and what what the impact is on, on Michael Carter. Obviously, it's a devastating injury for anybody who had uh, Hall rostered. He was trending up, looking like an RB one rest of the way. So really, really tough uh, situation. Uh, we're going to talk about Michael Carter. Uh, and James Robinson a little bit later in the rankings debate. So I don't want to get too much into that. But yes, Michael Carter is the direct replacement, uh, especially for this week. Uh, it might get a little fuzzier down the line, but we'll talk a little bit about that later. Sam, any comments on Brees Hall? No, I do think it's, again, it really sucks. He was looking like the best rookie uh, across all positions, like you mentioned, and just uh, a terrible injury. I, I do think there is some upside for Michael Carter moving forward. But like John said, we'll uh, uh, talk about that a little bit more. It's nice. I'll be able to refer to John as as John this time because I don't have two Johns that I'm talking <laughs> one, about. One week only. One to. week only. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get into Mike Williams. So Mike Williams, you, Sam had mentioned a lot of high ankle sprains. Well, this is one of them. Mike Williams, wide receiver, obviously for the Chargers, high ankle sprain, looking like a four to six week injury typically. John, talk about Josh Palmer and his, his potential fantasy upside. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, Josh Palmer is a candidate to, to replace him. He did not really grab a hold of uh, the number two job that that well when uh, Keenan Allen went out. I think there's some competition there with DeAndre Carter and Gerald Everett. Uh, Palmer, uh, I believe, is out with a list last week with a, with a concussion, so I would assume he'd be back this week. Um, and I, but I don't think he's like a no-brainer plug-and-play for for Mike Williams. Um, it, we you could see Carter or somebody else uh, have a bigger game than, than Palmer, but I think he is a decent sneaky start given the likely uptick in uh, targets and playing time. 
All right, let's let's discuss DK Metcalf since we're talking about wide receivers now. Again, we're we're breaking down Adam Hutchinson's training room week seven injury updates as they as they impact fantasy managers for week eight. But DK Metcalf dealing now with a uh, a tendon tear, a patella tendon tear, typically two to three weeks. Marquise Goodwin though he comes in last week and that Seattle offense continues to roll. He catches two touchdown passes from Geno Smith. Is is Marquise Goodwin obviously a streaming option, John? But but it, do you think that Marquise Goodwin could be a reliable option now with Metcalf on the shelf for the next? I think in the sh- yeah, I think in the short term he's a decent spot start, uh, sneaky start, uh, somebody worthwhile, and you know as a wide receiver three flex type player in twelve team leagues. Uh, I wouldn't say he's trustworthy, uh, but last week he did come in four for six. You alluded to it. You got the two touchdowns, but you had four four catches for sixty seven yards and five. Targets, and I think in a normal year, you know, a normal Geno Smith year, we aren't talking about him as somebody you want to start. But Geno's playing really well. That passing attack's doing really well. Uh, so, you know, a player like Goodwin can come in and produce in the, in, for a short span. Moving on to the big tight end news, and that's all fantasy managers need is a tight end injury because the the position is so thin as it is. But David Njoku of the Browns suffered a high ankle sprain. He, I mean, this is. This one's kind of devastating for not only the Browns, but obviously fantasy managers. Uh, when you're looking at David Njoku's production, he's been he's been really stellar. So he's dealing with a high high ankle sprain as well. Four weeks. Harrison Bryant would be the guy, John, that I think a lot of people would now focus on. Yeah, he's a former uh, John Mackey Award winner uh, as the nation's best tight end as a senior. Uh, he had 65 catches for 1,004 yards and seven touchdowns as a senior at Florida, Florida Atlantic. He hasn't really had any really giant games in the NFL, but he does have some talent. They have been uh, playing him quite a few snaps in his, you know, two plus seasons. So he should step into a much larger role. And, you know, Jacoby Bryant or Jacoby Brissett uh, does like to throw to the tight end. We've, we knew coming into the season that he did. And eventually he did start targeting uh, David Njoku pretty heavily so that those a lot of those targets could go over to Bryant. And then the last bit of injury news, it's Debo Samuel. Now, he's considered day-to-day, but he, he's got a hamstring strain. Hamstring injuries typically can be kind of kind of um, you know fickle. Two to three weeks is the estimate of time that Debo Samuel might miss. But again, he's, he's quote-unquote day-to-day. Ray-Ray McLeod and Juwan Jennings would be the two guys that could see an uptick in, in uh, targets, John. Yeah, this is a this is one to keep an eye on because uh, the team is sort of saying that he's likely to play, or at least day to day indicates that they, you know, they're trying to indicate that he's likely to play. Whereas Adam uh, Hutchison um, certainly thinks he's going to miss time. He's saying two to three weeks, so we'll see what his uh, practice activity this week is. You know, it's probably going to be, be leaning on Brandon Ayuk and uh, George Kittle more, and now you have Christian McCaffrey there. So I don't think they have any lack of. Uh, pass catchers there, you know, where you're going to want to run out and add a McLeod or Jawan Jennings. Um, but one of those guys could uh, pop up and uh, have a good game. McLeod had the good game uh, this last week, caught a touchdown, 65 yards. Uh, typically Jennings is the, you know, the more productive player, but uh, you know, McLeod's new to the team this year and uh, had a good uh, week seven. All right. As we transition from the injury report now to the waiver wire, this is an opportunity where John uh, will throw a couple of questions at John and he can kind of debate what he thinks uh, might be the best waiver wire option. And Sam, of course, can uh, provide some insight as well. 
Chuba Hubbard had a, had a really nice game last week, and, and, and so did Dante Foreman. So both guys were facing a, a Tampa Bay defense that has been pretty stellar, and it has been in years past where you can't really run on Tampa Bay. But last week, Carolina, despite trading Christian McCaffrey, went off in that running game. So again, Chuba Hubbard and Dante Foreman both having big games. John, pick one long-term, though. So for rest of the season for Carolina, is it Chuba, Chuba Hubbard or is it Dante Foreman? Yeah, maybe uh, Sam can comment on the workload there, or, you know, usage there in, in Carolina. What does he What does he expect? But for me, uh, you know, coming into this game, it was really a 50-50 proposition whether or not Foreman or Hubbard would lead this backfield. I mean, Hubbard was the was the fill-in last year. He did okay. He didn't run the ball particularly well. I think it was under four yards per carry, 3.5 or something like that. Pretty good pass catcher. Then they uh, signed Foreman. Uh, in the offseason after he had a really nice stretch for the Titans uh, filling in for Derrick Henry. And, you know, Foreman kind of fits the bill as the bigger bruising between the uh, tackles back, but he can catch the ball as well. And Hubbard is more of a, a little bit smaller, but not too small to be the, the lead back. So uh, it was interesting to see that Hubbard was deemed the starter uh, prior to week seven, and that did come to fruition. Uh, he outtouched Foreman uh, 10 to 6 through the first three quarters. He picked up an ankle injury. They said that he could come back in uh, if they needed to, but they had already blown out the the Bucks, or they were in run out the clock mode on the Bucks, which is just a shocking thing for me to be saying. Um, and then Foreman got a bunch of touches in the in the fourth quarter and racked up some good some good yardage. So based on that, um, I would you know prefer Hubbard. I think he's probably slightly ahead, and I do, I do wonder if. Foreman will outplay him to a, you know as far as running the ball and end up with some more uh, touches toward, towards the end of the year. But uh, for right now, it looks like the team favors Hubbard. Yeah, just to add to that, I, I think I would agree with John that Hubbard is probably the safer long-term play. It's it's an interesting situation that we have here because it's not like one is a young up-and-coming running back that has been talented but just hat doesn't really have the hasn't had the opportunity to break out yet and the fact that Hubbard suffered the ankle injury late sort of muddies things a little bit because Foreman did have a a slight edge in total snaps and total opportunities but Hubbard did have a slight edge in routes run he ran one more route and then Foreman and I think three of those routes for Foreman came after the Hubbard injury so Both of them were also extremely efficient rushing the ball, which was not expected, but they do have two games against the Atlanta Falcons in the next three weeks. And neither of them have, you know, you know, that much, uh, excuse me, the Falcons don't have that much standing in the way to make these guys valuable fantasy assets. So I think both of them might be able to fill in as, some spot starts uh, as we continue to go through the bye weeks, but with the Panthers leaning more on Hubbard, him being in the uh, on the team longer than Foreman and being deemed the starter, I think is enough of an indication to choose Hubbard over Foreman. Yeah, I would just I would just add that the uh, offensive line for the Panthers is not playing too bad at all. They're 11th in adjusted line yards at football outsiders. So there's better blocking there than maybe what we've been used to or what we kind of think of as uh, Carolina offense. So 
Uh, maybe a little bit of upside. This is not like when when McCaffrey got traded away. I was like, oh, we got two, we got two like mediocre running backs splitting in a bad offense, and it's like not somebody I want to run out and get. But what they did against the Bucks and uh, you know these uh, offensive line stats, they look uh, like there might be a little bit of a spot start type upside, RB three upside for these two players. All right, tight end question for you now. You got Mike Gesicki. Greg Dulcich, Juwan Jennings, or Juwan Johnson, excuse me, Kate Otten of Tampa Bay, who who really got targeted, you know, three or four times in the second half alone. Maybe Tom Brady starts to attack the middle, middle of the field now. And then Harrison Bryan, who we just got done talking about. So tight end spot start this week, John, who do you like out of that group? Yeah, this uh, week of tight ends is extremely puzzling when you get into uh, maybe ranking nine, where I've got uh, number nine spot tight end, which is Robert Tanyan, uh, playing against the Bills, who are number one in just a fantasy points allowed uh, to tight ends. Not a great matchup. Um, you know, Johnson, I have at 11, uh, Otten at 13, Gusecki at 15, and Bryant down at 18, and and Dul- Dulcich at 20. So, you know, we might have Russell Wilson back for Dulcich. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, Dulcich has uh, actually had two really good games to start his career. Um, Gusecki's been doing pretty well he had the two touchdown game when Durham Smythe was out he did he is still leading the tight end group in routes run over there in Miami he's got a pretty good quarterback and a pretty pass heavy offense so that's appealing we talked about uh, Bryant Otten uh 27th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends uh are the Ravens so it's a good matchup if uh Cameron Brait remains out then he's trustworthy if Cameron Brait is back then he maybe gets you know, his, his route sliced into by a third or, or a half. And that's uh, certainly a downgrade for him. And then Juwan Johnson um, just blew up last week uh, with uh, Adam Troutman sidelined with an ankle injury. And if he remains out, then I think Juwan Johnson's still an integral part of that passing game, uh, given the fact that Mike Tom- uh, Michael Thomas is out, Jarvis Landry's out. Uh, so Andy Dalton right now is throwing to Kamara. Callaway and Traquan Smith. So Juwan Johnson is a pretty appealing target for, for Dalton and uh, Vegas is 28th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So there's a number of guys that you could plug in if you have it in Joku or if you have a Travis Kelsey this week, uh, Gerald Everett, uh, those two are on by uh, those last two. There's, there's a number of guys you can plug in and that'll be part of the sneaky starts article, of course. And, of course, the Sneaky Starts article we'll discuss on Friday for the Most Accurate Podcast. Um, Sam, I don't want to leave you out. Do you have any thoughts on the tight ends? Yeah, I keep looking over the, this list of names, and and I can find the upside case for all of them and the downside case as well. I think I would lean Harrison Bryant, given the potential game script that I think the Browns will find themselves in uh, on Monday night against the red-hot Cincinnati Bengals. John mentioned it earlier, Jacoby Brissett is targeting tight ends at a 29.3% rate, which is third in the league behind only Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. So he does clearly like targeting tight ends. I think that offense is set up for that. And I think Bryant can immediately step in. We, we saw last year he had a couple of spike weeks as well in, in some games. So Eileen Bryant, I think... Second is probably Gesicki. They played the Lions this week. And one of the big things with him was when he started to to break out a little bit, it was, it seemed like it was because Durham Smythe was out. But this past week, Durham Smythe was back 
and Gesicki had a 75% route run rate. So that's encouraging as well. I think with Juwan Johnson, I I don't know if I trust that uh, that production quite as much. Dulcich, I think, is really great too, and he's starting to come on with two, again, really solid games to start, but not sure I, I trust or want to get involved with that Broncos offense right now. And then Kate Otten, I, I'm not sure he has quite the same ceiling as these other guys as he builds trust with Tom Brady. All right, so some quarterback a quarterback question for you. Sam Ellinger, who is now going to start, according to Frank Wright, he didn't just bench, bench Matt Ryan for a week or two. He benched Matt Ryan for the rest of the season. He says Sam Ellinger, the uh, former Texas Longhorn quarterback, is going to be his starter throughout the course of the year. Is he worth rostering in a super flex? And then while we're talking about quarterbacks, might as well discuss P.J. Walker of the Panthers, who, I mean, this really the, the first time the Panthers received good quarterback play all year came last Sunday from P.J. Walker, who made some really nice passes, uh, one to their, their tight end and uh, another to uh, D.J. Moore, who, John, I know you're a big fan of. When it comes to those two quarterbacks, so streaming options-wise, do you like either? Yeah, so when a player like Ellinger comes in, who I don't really, you know, know a whole lot about, uh, I tend to look at their college stats, plug it into my rookie quarterback model uh, to get the baseline set of stats, uh, and the the best, most accurate stat that comes out of that is their rushing projected rushing yards uh, in an NFL game. So for for Ellinger it's it's spitting out the model is spitting out 23 rushing yards per game he can run the ball he ran the ball quite a bit uh in college and i think that's one of the dimensions that he brings that Matt Ryan as you know Anthony is a longtime uh Falcons fan you know that Matt Ryan is not the most mobile uh guy especially at this <laughs> age um but uh, the other thing i like to look at when trying to like assess a, a quarterback is the preseason stats now everything you know the preseason is going to look better than what it really is because of the nature of the offense and defense kind of vanilla defenses there he's also playing as a second third string quarterback against second third stringers but with that said he i think he appeared in three preseason games he completed 24 29 passes for 289 yards that's a 9.97 yards per attempt he had four touchdowns and no interceptions Uh, he also added 71 yards rushing on six carries so that is about a game's worth of work if you look at the pass attempts 29 uh six carries that's you know that's roughly 35 dropbacks maybe a sack or two that's you know roughly a game's worth of work so um obviously really strong numbers there in the preseason those are all going to be downgraded as he gets into a real nfl action but at least he showed he was competent um pretty accurate in those in that game uh his rookie season numbers are harder to find it's hard to find preseason stats anthony i'll be honest with you but when you when you can find them uh couldn't find any rushing numbers, but the passing numbers were not as good. And he, had, I think he had three interceptions and no touchdowns. So just, you know, buyer beware. Um, I do think in, to, to answer your question in Superflex, everybody's worth rostering. That's a starting quarterback. Generally, it depends on the size of this, the league. If it's 12, certainly if it's 10, maybe, maybe not, you might, you know, have a starter that's sitting out there in the waiver wire and then two quarterback leagues, even more so, but you know, super flex, you can get away with starting a different position in that in that flex. Whereas two quarterbacks, you obviously need to start two quarterbacks. So, I think he's worth a shot given the talent that they have at receiver. Michael Pittman, uh, Alec Pierce. We got three tight ends that they run out there. Uh, Paris Campbell's coming on. They got Ashlyn Doolin coming back from injury at some point. Um, so, I definitely think it's worth it given his ability to rush the ball as well. 
Uh, as about, as for Walker, like I had already written this, written him off um, after just a couple of games of action, but he did really well against the Buccaneers. And I did see some uh, nice passes that he threw highlight wise and uh, didn't make any mistakes. I think, you know, he had a, a really bad touchdown to interception ratio coming into that game and um, just shocked that they won, uh, that they beat against, beat the one against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, that's just a shocking, shocking game given the fact that they lost uh, Christian McCaffrey the week before. So I think Walker is probably somebody you add, but I wouldn't be as aggressive with Ellinger because Ellinger is the rest of the season, uh, whereas Walker, we think he's sort of auditioning for the job rest of the season. You still have Baker Mayfield trying to come back from his ankle injury and uh, Sam Darnold trying to come back as well. Yeah, it's interesting with Ellinger. You can understand the the idea behind Frank Reich saying, okay, you know, I, I designed two game plans for Matt Ryan in the last two weeks in which he only had to throw the ball two feet because his arm, arm you know, shot. And I don't – I don't mean any disrespect to Ryan as a Falcon suffer, long Falcon sufferer. I mean, Matt Ryan was the best quarterback that the franchise has ever had. Uh, but it, the fact remains is his arm strength has gone down each and every year following the year following the Super Bowl. So get a little mobility behind a Colts offensive line that has been terrible this season. So again, you can kind of understand the thought process there. Sam, uh, any thoughts on these quarterbacks or should we move on to the rankings debate? Yeah. I mean, I think Ellinger, he, I, in a super flex league specifically, in a, in a one quarterback league, you're probably not starting either of these guys. But Ellinger, I think, offers a little bit more upside because of his rushing. P.J. Walker doesn't really have that right now as part of his game. In college, uh, Ellinger ran 554 times for over 1,900 rushing yards and 33 rushing touchdowns. So, again, Anthony, you mentioned the offensive line. They're allowing a bit of pressure, which is what's going to drive Ellinger out of the pocket and, and scrambling on. Some of those plays, I think the playmakers that both the Panthers and the Colts have is are about even if if not giving a slight edge to Indianapolis. So I I would prefer Ellinger. Uh, again, sounds like he has some a little bit more job security than Walker does right now, but neither one is all that inspiring. Yeah. I it always comes with a caution, right? Like, hey, we're talking about two guys that if you're in some trouble here, uh, here's some thoughts on. But context, context is king. All right, guys, let's do our rankings debate now. I'll throw a couple questions at John and Sam again. Uh, you know, make sure feel free to chime in at the end. But where does and you mentioned this before, John? So now's the time to get into this. So where does Michael Carter rank rest of season for you? And then how does James Robinson impact both players because he was acquired? from Jacksonville he fit he he fell out of favor and rightfully so because Travis Etienne was I mean he's been fantastic the last couple of weeks he's he's a clear RB1 with the Jaguars uh when it comes to Michael Carter though again rest of the season and then what's what's James Robinson how does this impact the uh the situation in New York yeah just to put a bow on that Travis Etienne he really moved up in the in the rest of the season rankings has virtually no competition right now he's at RB12 uh in my rest of season rankings and you can maybe argue a spot higher uh, ahead of Aaron Jones. It looks like he's going to be the bell cow or at least the lead back in that offense the rest of the way. Uh, Carter's in a different issue because I think if he, if this James Robinson trade hadn't gone down, then I look at him as the clear lead back, probably, you know, 15 to 20 uh, touches per game uh, in the, 
in the 15 games where he's seen at least nine carries, he's averaged 14.5 touches for 71 yards, 0.4 touchdowns. Uh, looked at him as an RB2 moving forward, you know, middle middle range type, uh, Raheem Mostert, Najee Harris in that range. Uh, the James Robinson thing is interesting because James got off to a good start this season, running running the ball well, but over the last two or three weeks has been really inefficient with his touches, and that's why he basically went to the bench and they decided to feature ETN. Uh, uh, now the Jets are, are trading for him. And so you wonder how quickly, number one, is he going to get up to speed and start potentially eating into Carter's workload? And two, will he eat into Carter's workload? Or is Carter that much better? I mean, Carter was pretty good last year. Uh, not good enough that they wouldn't go out and draft Brees Hall. Um, but he was, you know, a good fantasy asset last year for sure. Uh, they also have uh, Ty, was it Ty Johnson as the, the, the third back there? Um, so I think... I don't think Carter's available on waiver wire, but I would view him as a low end RB two, and you know James Robinson is more of an RB three, RB four, kind of in that Antonio Gibson, uh, Damian Harris, uh, Dante Foreman range, as a player who could emerge as an RB two if there's an injury or you know something shifts with the depth chart. Sam, any thoughts on uh, the the Jets running back situation without Brisol? Yeah, I do agree with John that I think I think Carter's probably closer to a high-end running back three. Right now, the Jets have leaned more run-heavy over the past several weeks with Zach Wilson in the lineup. So that uh, helps his prospects a little bit more. And he was being treated like the starter at the beginning of the season as well, was getting more opportunities than... Brees Hall was, and then like, the Jets sort of realized that Hall is the the better player. But I, you know, again, you mentioned Ty Johnson. I think he'll get involved a little bit in the passing game. He's been with the Jets for a couple of years now, and I I just think if if they were comfortable with Carter moving forward, they don't make this trade for James Robinson. So I I honestly would be wouldn't be shocked if Carter's workload stayed about the same and uh, excuse me, Robinson and Johnson sort of split the workload that Hall was getting. So it's, it's again, again, it's one of those offenses that with three potential, potentially three running backs splitting the workload, I'm not sure how much I want to invest in, in them, but Carter clearly the, the lead guy right now. And I think um, has some upside rest of season. Yeah, it'll be interesting, Sam. Maybe we can make a note and we'll look at the pass rate, uh, rush rate uh, this week versus previous weeks um, now that Brees Hall is out. Because I wonder if they're going run heavy because Brees Hall is their best player. And now they have to, yeah. you know, they, they, they maybe view Carter as, you know, an, an average player or above average player instead of a superstar. And they have to throw the ball a little bit more with Zach Wilson. This might ultimately help this passing game if, if they let Zach Wilson throw the ball a little bit more. Yeah, it's a good it's a good way to put it, John. Uh, John, I don't I don't know who wrote this question. Uh, I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but this is this has got to sting just a little bit. How many quarterbacks should we start over Aaron Rodgers this week as they get ready to take on your Packers? Get ready to take on the Bills. To answer your wondering question, there that was me that wrote that, and <laughs> so it is sort of self. I don't know what that's called, self flagellation. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, this is uh this is tough. This is probably the lowest I've ever ranked. Aaron Rodgers. I've got him at 20. Uh, he's got a bad matchup against the, the Bills, who are number two in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. So 
Now, is there a potential for a good game? Yes, he's a Hall of Fame player. Uh, the Bills are going to likely score a lot of points on a, what's a very up-and-down, uh, inconsistent Packer defense. And he could have a really good second half if they take their foot off the gas a little bit defensively and he's just chucking the ball around and you know gets hot. Um, that is the only way that I see this happening right now. Watching the, watching this team play, I don't think that they can beat the Bills. And I like the 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 uh, spread is ten and a half, and I would lay that uh, in a minute if I was able to bet legally in California. Um, yes, on twenty seven, prop twenty seven, please, if you're out there in California. Um, so I would. There's nineteen quarterbacks. I'm not going to list them all, but look at the. If you look at the rankings, there's quite a few guys that are very suspect players. Uh, Andy Dalton, but he has he has Vegas thirty second and just a fantasy points allowed uh, to quarterbacks. Marcus Mariota at least runs the ball uh, against Carolina. I think even Mark, Matthew Stafford has struggled a lot uh, in a better matchup against the 49ers. Not a great matchup, but at least it's better. Uh, I would take all those guys. Justin Fields in maybe the worst matchup against Dallas. They're first in just a fancy points allowed to quarterbacks. I would take Fields just because he's been playing well lately uh, and is likely going to be trailing and they might have to throw the ball a little bit. So there's a, quite a few players I would... I mean, I have I have Rodgers one spot ahead of Ellinger. So we're in uncharted territory here. Yeah, you know, Sam, I think I think if the, if, if the Aaron Rodgers comeback train... If that was going to get moving, it would have got moving last week in Washington, right? Right. And, and again, you mentioned Sam Ellinger right behind Rodgers. I mean, if if you told me that Ellinger was going to rush the ball, say, eight times in this game, I'd probably take Ellinger over Rodgers. It's, it's kind of crazy because some of the underlying stats for Rodgers haven't been that bad. His fantasy value has always been driven off of his efficiency. He has a 4.5% touchdown rate, which isn't bad by any means that's around league average but he's usually up at the six percent mark for his career uh, across all quarterbacks he's fourth in on target percent but is 33rd in dropped pass percent so if you if you listen to some of the comments he made this week i think on the, the pat mcafee show he talked about some players that need to get benched because they're not playing that well i'm sure that has a lot to do with it but again, outside of the drop passes, he has played decently. Again, like he does not look like he has the past two seasons that he's won the MVP, but the ceiling is so much lower for him at this point than it was in than it has been in any other season in his career. The the Packers were a pretty pass heavy team last year and and that has changed a little bit as well. So Again, if, if you have Rodgers in a one quarterback league, you are I, I you're looking for other options. And I think there are plenty out on the waiver wire right now. Yeah. All I, right, I, last would one. Add, I would go I would just add that yeah, with Rogers, like my it was not an indictment of Rogers, and I would agree with Sam that he's actually playing okay. If you if you take away the week one against the Vikings, which was an absolute disaster. He's like quarterback 12 fantasy wise and he was being drafted QB 13, QB 11, depending on where you were at. So he's sort of, you know, in the last since week one, like if you exclude his worst week, which is not really fair. But if you do, he's playing all right. It's not that's not the issue. I think what we've seen from Romeo Dobbs over the last couple of weeks has not lived up to his preseason expectations. He's in his own kitchen about the drops. 
the other thing that's playing into this week is Alan Lazard is not even a sure thing to play. He's their he's the most trusted receiver there. So there's just so many factors going into this game that it just doesn't look great for for Rodgers. And I just don't think the wheels could come off this week and it's going to be on national television. And like this could either be he has three touchdowns and 300 yards in a wild comeback attempt or they get rolled 40 to three and he's not playing in the fourth quarter. We'll see. Man, I'm I'm used to the the like, hey, uh, this this player is going against your Falcons, so this is a great spot. <laughs> now we're talking about Packers. I never thought we'd get here, John. Uh, all right, let's let's do one more rankings debate. Make the case for Daniel Jones over Dak Prescott in uh, in Week Eight. Yeah, I think this was a Sal question, and I appreciate it, Sal, uh, our, produ- our wonderful producer. Um, I think the just the first week back for Dak was kind of a low volume passing attack and the matchup against the bears, you know, the bears are bad against the run. Uh, They're better against the pass than they are against a run. So I would expect a lot of Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, they're 26 adjusted voice, fantasy points allowed to running backs. They're only 11th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. I think this will be kind of a low, slow game between these two teams. Uh, Chicago likes to take the air out of the ball, run the ball over and over and over again. So that's, part of the reason that Prescott's at 12 and I have uh, Jones at, at eight and like the pitch for Jones is that he is the fantasy quarterback nine right now, uh, 17 points per game. Uh, he's running the ball really well, had a big running game last week, but he's averaging, <clears throat> excuse me, 49 yards and 0.343 rushing touchdowns per game. Um, he's his receiving core is getting a little bit healthier with Wandale Robinson. He's found something with Darius Slayton. Uh, he's obviously got Saquon Barkley. He can throw the ball too. He did lose his tight end, which is tough. Be- Bellinger had been playing pretty well, so that's a weapon that he's he's lost. But if you look at the Seattle uh, matchup, they're 26 in just a fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, they've given up 262 yards on average, 1.4 touchdowns to opposing quarterbacks this season. So if he and then you have Kyler Murray who just ran for 100 yards on him. So if he can have one of his 80, 70, 80 uh, yard games, I think right there you're probably moving him ahead of. Prescott, but then he's he's also getting 220, 240 in a touchdown or two in, in a passing game against a pretty good uh, Seattle uh, offense where there's going to maybe a shootout is one of the higher totals on the week. Uh, that's why I would put uh, Jones in over Prescott. I think Prescott better long term, but uh, this week I would go with Jones. Yeah, Sam, it, it, it seemed like Dallas last week did what they had to do to win the game, not necessarily put up fantasy numbers, which makes sense. Uh, but when when it, it was Cooper Rush in, it was kind of a similar format here. Let's run the ball. If we run the ball effectively, make smart throws, great, and let, let's just win the game. And maybe that's the maybe that's the way Dallas does things with Dak Prescott for a while. Yeah, that very well could be. And we're going to talk about the the Cowboys passing in a little bit here, a uh, little bit here. And I think the case for Daniel Jones is, is the rushing. There are only two quarterbacks in the league right now that are rushing for more yards than him. It's Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. So I mean, he's got five rushing touchdowns on the season. Like this is a part of Daniel Jones' skill set that Brian Dable has finally unlocked. And it's it's really great to see like they're leaning into that aspect of his athleticism and it, it's working because they don't really have many other playmakers outside of Saquon Barkley. Again, some of the receivers like John mentioned are getting healthier, which helps him in the passing game, but he just has six passing touchdowns on the season. But again, we know that the rushing creates such a high floor and a high ceiling for quarterbacks in fantasy football. And 
Dak just does not have that right now. He, you know, he's scrambled a, a little bit in the past, but it's not like they're really calling designed rushes for him. So with the Cowboys being a little bit more cautious, like you mentioned, this giant Seahawks game is probably the best game on the slate right now. It's it's one I'm really looking forward to in that Seahawks defense has not been outstanding. They, they've improved a little bit the past couple of weeks, but still have plenty of holes to exploit as well. So I, I'd be really excited about Daniel Jones if I had him on my team right now. Yeah, things you never thought you'd say, right? I'm excited about the Seahawks-Giants matchup between Geno Smith and Daniel Jones, but I'm with you, Sam. They've been very entertaining this year, especially in the fourth quarters. Uh, Justin Fields will highlight our buy low and or sell high trade advice. So, uh, Sam, why don't we get into Justin Fields right now? QB8 over, over the last four weeks, time to sell high or hold on Justin Fields? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it depends sort of depends on where you're at with the quarterback position. If you have Rodgers, I'd probably prefer Fields rest of season right now with the way he's looking. They they're starting to design more uh or have more designed rushes for Fields, which is great. It's not just all of his rushing production coming on scrambles. He had 23 fantasy points this past week, which was a season high for him. His fantasy point total has increased in each of the last four weeks. And I I think it's one of those, again, with the quarterback position, it's tough to sell high or or buy low, really. Um, the, the elite guys are the elite guys. But if you've if you've been in a position where you're sort of filtering through some of the lower end quarterbacks, Fields looks like he's playing a lot better the the bears have also thrown the ball just a, a tad more they're they're still vi- the the most run heavy team in the nfl by far but justin fields has been a little bit more efficient passing the ball as well so i think if again if, if you're if, if you've been in that position where you've been looking for a starter at quarterback justin fields can be that guy i think for the next couple of weeks going forward you know, John, I, I thought that uh, that Monday night performance out of Justin Fields was his best. I thought there was a couple of times there where, you know, it's been like wh- one read, get the ball out or run or take a sack. And I thought he was doing a lot a, a better job with his progressions and things like that. Uh, did, but it's still only one performance. What's your thoughts on Justin Fields? Well, it's a shocking performance against a Patriots defense, which has been really stingy overall but had a bad night and it was at it was at new england too which is crazy to me but you know looking at his upcoming schedule he has a really bad matchup this week against dallas you could still see him putting together uh a good fantasy performance if he if he if they actually throw the ball trying to come back i don't know how run heavy they'll go i'm sure they'll try to stay run heavy but it might be tough um but if his you know if they're throwing the ball and he's dropping back there's more scrambles available and you know if he's getting you know, 8, 12, 14 carries like the last three weeks, then he's got a nice floor. Then you look ahead, you know, week nine, Miami, 24th and just a fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Week 10, Detroit, 30th and just a fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. And week 11, Anthony, your Falcons, 31st and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. So I had to get that in there. Uh, so if you're going to, if you, you know, maybe want to move him, you might want to wait uh, until after week 11. And then he's got the the Jets and the Packers, who are both top 10 in that metric. Then he's got a bye. Then he's got Philly and Buffalo, week 15 and week 16. 
before uh, a really nice matchup in week 17. So really, he's got three great matchups after this Dallas matchup, then four bad matchups plus a bye, and then a good matchup. So I would I would probably wait, ride him out through Atlanta, and if you wanted to make a switch at that point, uh, that would be the time to do it. You did not have to mention that, John. I felt like you you wanted to mention that, but no. Uh, they're they're look they're they're prime for the taking. Uh, all right, moving <laughs> on now. Sam Aaron Jones, twenty four point one half PPR points in week seven. Uh, had the two touchdowns off the reception. Obviously, had a combined twenty seven point nine in weeks four through six. Is is Aaron Jones somebody that you're holding on right now, or maybe uh, you know looking looking either buy or sell? I, I think he's someone I'm holding on to for sure. We I believe we talked about the the Packers running backs a little bit last week, and I was I was buying jo- Aaron Jones a little bit. It it seems like it, it doesn't seem like it, his workload is more game script proof than AJ Dillon's. Now the Packers were in a pretty neutral game script for the whole game, but rarely do you see games where Aaron Jones is just sort of phased out of the entire offense. Jones doesn't have a single game with fewer than 10 total opportunities in a game this season. AJ Dillon has games of six and four opportunities in two of the last three weeks, which is not that great. The past couple of weeks, it had sort of looked like Jones was getting phased out of the passing game as well. He had uh, season low totals in routes run at 38 and 39% in weeks four and five, but that shot up to a season high 62% routes run rate in week seven. So again, this is sort of what we've been looking for from the Packers for a while of getting Jones involved in the passing game because he has that ability. And I think now they start relying on him a little bit more and continue to get him involved and, AJ Dillon's still worth holding on to right now, but again, I don't think he hits that ceiling unless Aaron Jones goes down with this uh, an injury. John, you have intimate knowledge of Green Bay. Does it? Do you agree with? Do you concur with Sam in that it looks like Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Jones is going to be somebody that is worth uh, you know leaning on for the Packers over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, intimate knowledge is one way to put it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think Jones is a hold. I, I, you know, he doesn't have a lot of great matchups coming up. Buffalo's a bad one, but then he's got Detroit in Week Nine, uh, Dallas, Tennessee, and Philly uh, are, you know, neutral to bad, and then Chicago before their Week 14 bye. But you just look at his, you know, workload. I'm, I'm going backwards. He has 17, 12, 15, 19, 15, 18 touches, and then he had that Week One where they. You know, he was actually pretty effective, but they went away from him. He had eight touches in week one in that, you know, horrible game against the Vikings. So since then, they've been really good about getting him at least 12 touches. Uh, and he is going to have the occasional dud, but most, you know, running backs that aren't elite in, t- in terms of their usage are going to have the occasional dud. And he obviously uh, has the trust of Rodgers in the passing game. We showed that last week. Nine catches for 53 yards, two touchdowns, 10 targets. And as these other pass catchers either get dinged up or uh, losing their own confidence or whatever, then he's going to see, continue to see a lot of targets. And just to the, you know, I've seen people ask about cutting AJ Dillon. Yeah. He's not what we thought. This this offense is not what we thought. We thought it was going to be more productive than this. We thought that he would have some flex, you know, RB two value if they were scoring more touchdowns, but they're not. Um, so he has now sort of uh, been demoted to injury 
you know, upside attrition play, like somebody you hold on to, he has a lot of value if Aaron Jones goes down. So um, God forbid that happened, but he's not somebody that I would send to the waiver wire in most leagues because most of those players that have that type of upside are already rostered. All right, we'll wrap up with a uh, game here, at least with the buy low, the buy low game here. But buy sell holds, uh, Sam. You got Michael Pittman, you got Paris Campbell, Alec Pierce. Pick one to trade, uh, trade four. Pick one to trade four, one to keep, and then one to trade away. So I think I'm um, I'm going to hold and, and keep Michael Pittman. He's the the wide receiver one on that team. Doesn't have a game, a, a healthy game below. Uh, 22% target share, excuse me, as one game below a 22% target share. I'm going to trade away and sell Paris Campbell. I just don't know if I believe in him continuing to get the target workload that he's got. And I'm going to buy Alec Pierce because we talked about the rushing and scrambling ability with Sam Ellinger. If he is able to move and get out of the pocket, that's going to give Pierce more time to develop those downfield routes that he's running. He's clearly sort of the deep threat for this offense. So he's going to have more boom bust weeks than these other two guys. But if you're looking for a potential flex fill in, I think he's got a bit of a higher ceiling than Campbell. John, yeah, do you I see would, this? Yeah, do you see it the same way? Yeah. Uh, I wasn't sure if you're going to come to me there, but yes, I, would almost the same way. I would say I would say Pittman is more of a buy, uh, and then uh, Pierce is a hold. But that's just to switch things up on Sam. I definitely agree with him that that Campbell. It just seems like smoke and mirrors right now. This is a player that has not been productive, really, his entire career. He's had two good games. Maybe this continues. Uh, I know he's been injured throughout his career, and maybe he's getting it going. But you know, I was looking at his numbers all season. Just running out, running routes, not getting any targets, uh, and all of a sudden, last two games now he's—I uh, mean—they stuck with him to their credit as a starter. But uh, you know, last two weeks he's he's gotten a, uh, some some good workload. But looking ahead at this offense, you know, they had a 30th uh, just a fancy points allowed matchup against receivers against Tennessee. They got 31st this week against Washington, 18th uh, the Patriots, 29th. Uh, against Vegas, so it'll be really interesting to see. You really can't ask for a whole lot more if you're the Colts and Sam Ellinger and trying to get this offense jump started uh, in terms of passing game. But I would, uh, I would, I would be going after Pittman given his uh, workload and just kind of touchdown. He's, he's due for a touchdown. Uh, he's had one in week one, uh, last five games, no touchdowns, but he's seeing 10.2 targets per game. So the usage is certainly there. Yeah, a little behind the scenes for you, John. I whiffed twice on my on, on my my mute, so that's why I uh, I paused there into, in, instead of throwing to you. So, <laughs> uh, all right, so let's go to our, the notable usage trends, potential top starts and top sits. Uh, you know, Sam, I know that that you you do a, a great job. If you go to four for you can check out the usage charts that Sam puts together. Team pass rate over at, 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 you know expectation by week. Uh, you can see the graphic here. Sam does an excellent job with this. So the three teams you wanted to highlight, Sam, Baltimore Ravens, my Atlanta Falcons, and then the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, Sam, take it away with your findings here. Yeah, so we'll start off with the Baltimore Ravens. In the first four weeks of the season, it sort of looked like they had a new offensive identity. They were passing the ball quite a bit more than they had in years past. They had a 47 pass rate over expectation their rushing game just wasn't really getting it done 
outside of Lamar Jackson. But over the past three weeks, they have a negative 7.2% pass rate over expectation, which is the sixth lowest rate in the league over that span. You can see their chart in the, the top right here has just sort of fallen off over the past several weeks. In week seven, they hit a season low, negative 19.8% pass rate over expectation. And even with a game against the Bucks, who just got trampled by the Panthers on Thursday night, it, it looks like the Ravens will be acting more like we had expected them to uh, heading into the season. So I think that really only makes probably Mark Andrews, Gus Edwards, obviously Lamar Jackson, and maybe Rashad Bateman, if he's healthy, uh, reliable starters this week and, and potentially going forward. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, I, I've done enough complaining about them and their passing on, on Twitter this week. I mean, being down 14 nothing to the Bengals and throwing the ball 13 times, just it doesn't make sense. You, you have to sit, I think, Drake London. At this point, he has just five targets over the last two games. And again, we... There's no reason for not. There's no reason there. We've seen that no game script is really going to make the Falcons pass the ball more. If if it wasn't this Sunday, then it's likely not going to be the same in the future. They play the Panthers in each of the ne- in two of the next three weeks. So again, that those should be games that they should be competitive in, and will likely rely on running the ball. I. I think some of the options that we mentioned at tight end earlier are better than Kyle Pitts right now. I mean, it, it sucks that we've reached that point, but the volume just isn't there. And that's what you need from the tight end position. And then finally, the Dallas Cowboys, again, didn't pass the ball a ton in week seven with Dak back, uh, but they did have about a, a 0% pass rate over expectation. So they passed the ball as much as one would expect given the game script that they had. It was their highest single game rate of the season. So I think this lends itself to the Cowboys starting to pass the ball a little bit more with their their franchise quarterback under center. They have the Bears this week followed by a bye and then get the Packers, Vikings, Giants, and Texans coming out of it. So even if they aren't throwing the ball a ton, against teams like Chicago and and maybe Houston, the efficiency I think should be there enough for these pass catchers to continue to have some fantasy value. Yeah, Sam, just to chime in two seconds there about the Falcons. They were down 20 20 points to the Buccaneers in the third quarter and said, we're going to run the football here. We're going to run out the clock and nearly came back. So that's just just more justification for them. Like, we'll just continue to run the ball, period. Uh, John, any thoughts on these three teams? Yeah, uh, I would just say that to a little peek at how the sausage is made. When I do the projections every week, they're, the equations want to pull teams like this up into normal range. Uh, there's a few teams where I have to like specifically go in, look at their pass run rate, and change their projections, just the whole kit and caboodle, because they're just so run heavy. Uh, Atlanta's at the top of that list. Uh, Chicago, Tennessee, Baltimore, uh, and the Eagles are specifically teams that I have to uh, really adjust that run run pass in terms of attempts. Uh, so, so, like sometimes I'll get some wild rankings 
Uh, and then I'll go through and do all that. And then like to mention uh, Kyle Pitts. Yeah. He came in uh, as a tight low end tight end to this week, just based on historical volume, uh, the volume of this passing attack. And it, we just can't even count on a negative game script, potentially uh, increasing passing for the Falcons. I think maybe we could look at the bears uh, trending up in terms of pass attempts if they fall down 14, 21 points against uh, the Cowboys, they may uh, go pass heavier than usual. But I don't think we can say that same thing about the Falcons. All right, guys. Any other uh, any other thoughts, uh, John? Any other notes that you wanted to highlight before we sign off today? Yeah, I think that uh, just make make sure you check out Sneaky Starts. Is you know, with a couple of teams on by and all these in, uh, injuries, there's going to be some good uh, ideas in there and. Uh, I did have somebody say uh, Romeo Dobbs was so sneaky that he didn't score a point uh, in the Discord last week, and I said I deserve that. Um, I did, <laughs> I did think that he was going to do better and have a breakout game against the, or at least a decent game against the uh, the Commanders, who are so bad uh, at the cornerback position and passing game. But it's rough. The, the Packers are a rough offense right now. Uh, and then I'll do my chat on uh, Discord every uh, Thursday. Uh, afternoon so get on that and then just keeping up with uh, rankings over the weekend sam what do you have going on yeah had uh the new hop hop into conclusions come out this morning have the breakout model article coming tomorrow morning and then as always the the charts will be flowing on over on twitter well, excellent. Make sure that you check out at Sam Hop and at 444 underscore John uh, and at 444 Football because we've got all our content that we tweet out. Of course, make sure you have a subscription to 444.com. You get all of John's rankings, all of Sam's great content as well. Uh, DFS, season long, betting. We got we got you covered at 444. John, John Daigle should be back next week. But uh, guys, I, I had a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys having having me host today. Thanks for Thanks for coming on, Anthony. It's always nice to be able to pull you out of the bullpen. Yeah, likewise. And uh, as John Daigle would always say, be a little bit kinder than what's required. There you go. That's great advice. All right, for John Paulson to say hi, but I'm Anthony Stoltz. We'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast.